My name is Ty Blanche. I'm an equine veterinarian, and you are tuned in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. I am. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I am a young. I am. And I am a young black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. Today, we have Dr. Ty Blanche with us coming out of Reno, and we are so excited to hear her story as an equine veterinarian and what got her into this industry anyway. So welcome to the show, Dr. Blanche. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Blanche. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start off with you just telling us about yourself. You know, I already said you were in Reno, but um, how you kind of got in the industry, how you fell in love with horses, all that stuff. Yeah. So I always joke that I got into horses and livestock 100% by accident because I was born in the middle of the desert, Ridgecrest, California, and I had never touched a horse. I'd never heard like that was just a whole different ballgame that I had nothing to do with. And then I went to Fresno State for undergrad because my brother lived there and, you know. He was there uh-huh. to support me. So I was like, I'll choose Fresno. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down in my first day of classes and they started talking about like meat grading. And I was like, well, this is an odd because it was animal science. I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought I wanted to do small animal. I was like, what does meat grading have to do with, you know, animal science? And then I realized very quickly that I was at an ag school, like a very, very big ag school. So we had a horse barn, we had a goat barn, sheep, you know, the whole nine. And I just kind of slowly started going out for more clubs and participating with some 4-H outreach. And I was like, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. And I just like something clicked in my head and I was like, I like horses and I want to do horses and I do livestock as well. And I want to do livestock. And I just kind of never looked back and I made myself, you know, try out for our equestrian club, you know, stayed after in classes, took all the horse production, the sheep production, the meat grading classes. I just kind of dove in with you know both feet and never look back and people were surprised and skeptical and I just kind of kept going and then eventually went to vet school and was pretty serious about equine medicine and vet school and stayed serious and then did an internship at Comstock Equine in Reno and then stayed on and I've been here I think I just celebrated my four-year anniversary so wow. I'm practicing about four years so I do horses goat sheep a little bit of cattle a little bit of pigs no cats, no dogs. <laughs> Congratulations on coming up on four years. Thanks. Yeah, it's flown for sure. Oh, it feels like it's been 15. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I know that we have a lot of listeners that are uh, interested in becoming veterinarians. So what would you say is one of the kind of biggest I would say like motivators because I mean it's hard it's hard 
Um, but what do you, what would you say kind of got you through all of that? I think having key people around you and really being your own advocate, because when I was in high school, no, none of my counselors had a clue what you needed to get into that school. They just didn't know. And so they'd be like, oh, you need this class. And I'd look it up myself and say, actually, it says I need this and this and this. And you really, really have to like be your own advocate um, and then depend on those advocates around you that are educated. I had some key people that would, you know, supportive especially, you know, being totally new to the equestrian world and, and 4-H world, because it's it's a whole different ballgame, and there can be quite a bit of gatekeeping, for sure. So I think being your own advocate and really leaning on those around you and just bullheaded determination, don't take no for an answer, find a way around it. I had clinics that would say, no, you can't volunteer here. Like, okay, I'll find a different clinic to volunteer at. You know, when I first started working at my first equine clinic, I I just learned how to halter horses. And so, you know, those key people that take chances on you. And my boss took a chance and obviously I've come very far, but mm -hmm. just sheer determination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is admirable for sure, because not that, um, not that small animal is easy, but I feel like a lot of times it's like the, well, if I can't do this, then I'll do that, you know? Um, so in, in choosing that path and choosing to go the harder route, um, I know that you have had to overcome, you know, obstacles that, you know, maybe other veterinarians haven't, so. Yeah, there's definitely, not that there's a great small animal blueprint, but there, there was really no, like, I didn't have a, a, a black veterinarian, like a black large animal female veterinarian that I could be like, how did you do? Like that mm -hmm. didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be difficult if you, you know, there's no blueprint, there's no one that really came before you that you can lean on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think is like a common misconception um, for your profession or maybe your identity in that profession? I think a common misconception when you, you know, everyone will always say, oh, I always wanted to be a vet. And, you know, I, I love puppies and kittens and foals. And I, I think veterinarians, we do a lot, a lot more than like wellness care. Um, we do a lot of really tough stuff and a lot of really broad stuff. So we work with food safety. I do a whole lot of health certificates and it's not just this narrow spectrum of I'm your vet and I'm going to give you your vaccines. It's, Mm -hmm. It's this broad, broad range, and there's so many roads that you can go down within it, within veterinary medicine. It's not just general practice, especially, yeah. you know, large animal. It's, we're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we had a, a, another veterinarian on, I, I don't even know if that was last year. Maybe it was the year before that, but um, she talked about how she started off as an EMT. Wow. And so she did vet school later, much later in her career and how, you know, those different career paths, they kind of work together a little bit just because it's medicine, but um, you know, how she just had to switch her, her mind for yeah. that that job but if you were to do something else 
what do you think you would be doing? Honestly, I don't know. I think, you know, I always joke my, as much as I can blame my worst day in equine medicine is probably better than my best day doing anything else. Mm. If I absolutely could not be an equine vet or a livestock vet anymore, I'd probably do something like food safety, meat Mm. inspection, very so much in that world. Mm. But I can't, I don't know that I could for maybe go to medical school, maybe be a human (laughs) doctor. I don't know. (laughs) One is easier than, you know, 2030. Right, right. (laughs) Right, 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 right. What would you say is like your favorite part of veterinary medicine? I think my favorite part is, you know, I'm just getting to the point where I'm starting to see the same patients over and over mm-hmm. is is developing that bond with horses. You know, you have some horses that are maybe a little leery or they come in needle shy um, or you, you finally, you know, figure out what's this chronic problem, what the solution to that is. So I think my favorite part is starting to build that relationship with the clients and the, and the patients for sure. Cause I've, I'm just now getting to the point where someone will see me in the grocery store and say, Hey, he looks great. And you know, he's been great for the last year. And you're like, Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. You can actually start to see the difference that you're making. Whereas when you first start out, you're like, am I, am I changing anything is, anything helping and now it's starting to see those little changes and those help right right I want to talk about that a little bit more um you know the 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 key term at this point is imposter syndrome um that you felt in the beginning you know let's talk about that and how you kind of work through that Oh, I think it's imposter syndrome. Gosh, it feels like it never goes away. Even getting ready for this today, I was like, gosh, I don't know why they want to talk to me. I just go to work and I do my thing. And um, But I think taking those little victories, because it's so easy to focus on every little failure of uh, this case didn't go well, or I, I lost this patient. Um, one big thing I do is I keep every thank you note, every little you know, email, card, whatever that just says, Hey, you help me because it's so hard to see the long-term, especially being, you know, the only, sometimes I, you know, it's a pretty conservative town. So sometimes I won't see another black person for a week in the grocery store at work a week. So especially like being very much other and looking around, like, do I belong here? Like, Oh, but focusing on those, those little victories and those little shreds of hey you helped this you did this but it is so hard mm-hmm. you know we're definitely the hardest on ourselves mm-hmm. out of anybody mm-hmm. yeah yeah and how do you um like manage your your workload or what kind of I know this is Caitlin's favorite topic but self-care are you do you do to kind of you know, I mean, it's, it's taxing on your body to do large animal stuff. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, it's definitely a work in progress for sure. Especially, you know, we just had the Reno rodeo here. So that's two weeks of being pretty darn busy. Mm-hmm. I think you start to, for me, my self-care is little luxuries. Like I get a facial every month and growing up, that would be, that's unheard of to like, go get a facial or anything like that. But shout out to the facials. Yeah. I, I love that facial once a month every month to the point where you know when I get off track I'm like I can feel it in my bones and I just need to go lay under a steamer 
Uh, I'm very much an introvert. So my self-care is often me being alone. So I'll take myself to the movies and then we go get a facial and then, you know, we, me, go get dinner with myself. Um, But definitely alone time is my my recharging. I spend all day talking to people and working through problems with people. That part. (laughs) It is exhausting. Sometimes you just want to be alone in your own thoughts and not just having conversations with words. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she always, always will say, oh, it's your, like, today's my Monday off. What are you doing with your Monday off? What are you doing with your Friday off? Oh, nothing. Oh, do you want, nope. I said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I meant. (laughs) Exactly. And nothing is (laughs) self-care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of people have to plan to do that. You have to plan to do nothing. So no, I don't want additional yeah. plans. This is enough. I think you just have to figure out how you recharge. That was mm-hmm. one of the best lessons I got in vet school is some people recharge by being with others and some people recharge by doing something else. And for me, it's being alone and I don't think about work and just totally check out. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times I feel like people get confused when they see people that can perform or can interact. You know, they think that introverts are like just over in the corner, like, and it's like, no, I can, I can, I'm not like a a, a hermit. <laughs> I can interact with you, but I also want to be by myself <laughs> when I'm done. They're like, what do you mean you're an introvert you're not shy you're so friendly you're so bubbly I'm like because yeah, I'm on and mm-hmm. I need to off. they don't know what introvert really means <laughs> right introvert does not mean shy <laughs> yeah yes 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 that is that is like I feel like both Caitlin and I are introverts but we, I mean we'll get on here on this podcast and, and cut up and yeah. you know have a blast but then we're also like we message each other like all day long. Like I don't talk to her. If she calls me, I'm like, what's wrong? Why are you calling me? Why, what's Instagram, up? Facebook, Instagram, send me a TikTok. Don't talk right, to me. Like, you all right? <laughs> Is it an emergency? <laughs> so I feel you on that completely. Um, do you do any sort of like mentoring or like, are you still connected with your, with the vet school? um yeah Yeah, for sure um I am one of the court well I am the coordinator of our internship and externship program at Comstock Mm -hmm. um students like vet students that want to come for a visit um will shoot me an email and say hey you know I'd like to do an externship at your clinic so in that regard definitely do a lot we we always like to have students Mm -hmm. obviously have a a pretty strong internship program that first year training program yeah I, I do find that I, I love that. So definitely. Yeah. That's is it, is great. Is it a year long, the, in, the internship? So the internship is a year long, but usually our interns have done what's called an externship. And that's like a two to three week visit where you just come mm-hmm. and you shadow. Um, it's usually restricted to like active veterinary students, just mm-hmm. insurance purposes. Mm-hmm. Sure you get ran over by a horse we got some insurance on you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah little two three weeks visits are, are more than adequate when I when I visited my clinic as an extern I visited for a day 
and then they were like, oh, do you want to come out and be an intern? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We yes. love to have students and I, get, I always get particularly excited when I have a student of color, a veterinary student of color. I'm like, come to the dark side, come to <laughs> medicine, livestock. You should. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Light that, um, that industry up with melanin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, I just lost my question. It was about the, uh, it was about the internship. Oh, how would you, suggest because this is another I, I just keep thinking of barriers that people say that they have when not only getting into veterinary medicine but getting into the horse industry so one of them is not being able to find the opportunities so how would you say that you were able to navigate finding opportunities for yourself? I know you said that, you know, just continuing to um, not take no for an answer, but like actively seeking out those opportunities. What did that process kind of look like for you? It's definitely a long process. I kind of lucked into some things. I made some close friends in my undergraduate and then they all worked at an equine clinic. And I was like, hey, you know, is that something that I could do. And I actually didn't even get hired. I worked for months and months, probably almost even a year um, as just a volunteer. And I would just show up. And I think the, the big thing is no opportunity is too small. So if they just need someone to come muck stall, come muck stalls and do the best stall cleaning they've ever seen and be available and, and willing and open. I think, you know, no, you're not too good for any job is the biggest thing. You know, I would show up and I'd be like, hey, do you need me to reorganize the office for you? I noticed pretty dusty. Um, so I think definitely making good friends and making use of those connections, but really just showing up and saying, you know, I'd love to shadow your veterinary program, but, I, you know, I'm happy to start cleaning with, you know, cleaning stalls or if you're small animal cleaning pens or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just being willing and open and be very humble. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is one of the, um, the like first things that I ask, I'm like, or, or what I've noticed is like, oh no, I want to be, you know, wrangling animals. And it's like, but they might poop on you and you haven't done any cleaning. Like you got to start cleaning first. <laughs> and then you work your way up. And I would say that's the biggest thing with students and volunteers. You know, the students that come to, to us and are very much like, I'm just here to learn, you know, veterinary medicine. And I just want to learn how to put catheters and all this. Well, if you weren't with me at 2 a.m. mucking stalls and working up that colic and, and really like being in there, it, it doesn't make me want to like, I'll seek you out and give you the opportunity if I notice, hey, you know, she helped really a lot with treatments the other day let me show her let me take her on this call with me or him um, on this call with me so I think you know those little things are very noticed and people don't realize it as well as being nice to everybody involved especially like grooms are great people to get friends with mm -hmm. all cleaners the handyman those are the people because it's very easy to go in and be like well I just want to you know I just want to ride I just want to do like I don't I don't have time for you but then those people will come to me and say Hey, you know, not great that one. And it's like, okay, duly noted. Yeah, yeah. And those are the people that know what's wrong with the horse. Yeah. 
I'm like, yeah, the owner may call, but it's like, okay, can you give me the history? Well, last week, well, what about yesterday? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I talked to the grooms, trainers, and like, the owners are great, but the group, you know, they're with the horses every day, or even, you know, a lot of it is the girl that cleans the stalls every week and every day and grooms the horses. Mm-hmm. Often that person knows way more than the actual right. right or they're the ones helping administer the treatment yeah. so it's yeah. important to make sure that they understand what's going on right because a lot of times um there are horse owners who only have time to ride they don't have time to do other stuff and notice those changes yeah. and those things you know or or keep up with it mm-hmm. yeah all the time yeah oh, i saw him last month I'm like oh, i have time i need to find someone that actually knows the horse right (laughs) right exactly exactly um what would you say is like the biggest challenge that you faced um either working with horses or 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 being in the industry it can be a case it can be Um, I think probably the biggest challenge is overcoming that initial surprise when you get out of a vet truck or when you decide you want to you know, when I decided I wanted to work in large animal, I had quite a few people that were just surprised to the point of being gatekeepers and, and very much. Mm-hmm. I had a few key people that were so, so helpful getting me ahead, but I had, I remember vividly when I was an undergrad, I so badly just wanted to be out with the horses. And I just had, all I had for shoes was from like an old costume for Halloween. It was like pink plastic Doc Martin like boots and like some girls were kind of sneering and, and making fun of me behind my back. And I had a good friend kind of say, Hey, here's, you know, I have some Ariats and some Justins. You, these are all, do you want them? And like that little gesture made all the difference. So I think really overcoming um, people's expectations and, and just going into everything with a good attitude, because I definitely will get out of the vet truck and see people and see the surprise on their face and kind of feel the the vibe change mm-hmm. and you just get out and you're as happy and as friendly as can be and you know it doesn't work every time but they'll start to feel pretty silly about how stubborn they're being if you're just sounds cheesy to say kill them with kindness but mm-hmm. that's the biggest challenge especially with clients 99% of my clients are great but there is definitely 1% that have made it clear that the color of my skin is perhaps a problem for them mm-hmm. so treating them with equal kindness and not, you know, treating the, the patient, you know, mm-hmm. not saying, well, I, I'm not going to treat your horse because you're, you know, refusing to see a black veterinarian today. Mm-hmm. But that's the biggest challenge is just overcoming that surprise, that elephant in the room that nobody's talking about. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, you're so young. Like, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, because black don't crack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not that young, but thank you. And, you know, like <laughs> making a joke out of it I say oh thank you it's a bad day when you know I get out of the truck and you're not surprised so (laughs) my veterinarian is black and back when he applied for veterinarian school he couldn't apply because he was black wow um so like they didn't they sent him his money back wow wow yeah so I was talking to another veterinarian and I had mentioned him and she was like, well, I've never heard of him before. And I almost said he's black because I knew if I said that she, you know, like if she did hear of him, 
she went, oh, that one, because there's not a lot of Black veterinarians in this area. Um, but I didn't say it because I was like, his legacy is so amazing. If you ain't heard of him, you can go Google him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I can't imagine. So um, what vision do you have for like the future of your career? I envision a group of colleagues that really reflects the population that we serve. So like the equine world is so diverse and it's so colorful and you just don't see that in the, in the veterinary population, small animal or large animal. Mm-hmm. So that's my, my hope is just to get some more faces of color, any color, black, brown, any color, um, to be able to look and say, hey, you know, we're finally getting a little better representation, particularly in the large animal world because there's such a huge black equestrian world that people just don't even they're Mm -hmm. not even aware of yeah and I think especially because like your veterinarian's black not to say that you wouldn't want a white veterinarian but sometimes being able to look and be like oh you know this person looks like me maybe I'm a little more comfortable Mm -hmm. and I think you know the further we get away from that even you know color financial status it just makes it harder and harder to relate to the clients and and provide them a better service than what we currently are right Right. right about that yeah do you um do you ride currently not currently my free time is oh it's zero <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I feel you and I mean a lot of a lot of veterinarians unless they're it's like sport horse you know they they're just like no nah. <laughs> like I see horses every day right like what I need to ride for there <laughs> are days where I get home and I'm like if I don't see another horse it'll be too soon like I just can't you know sometimes you just need that break but I I definitely have friends that are veterinarians and they also ride and they say gosh you know I'm not able to enjoy it as thoroughly as I used to be able to so I just stick with my cat and if anything I'll probably adopt a couple goats if I ever get no yeah (laughs) I love goats um do you guys have alpacas out there absolutely yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do you go through all the ruminants? So stop at that one. <laughs> see alpacas, llamas. Oh my goodness. Damn it. I love People it. asked me to see your emo the other day. I said, no, thank you. But yeah. <laughs> no. no. I know they're on farms, but like that's a different <laughs> kind of beast right there. <laughs> but um, I have a a black veterinarian mentor and he does small ruminants and camelids and uh, but he's allergic to horses so I was like yay I found a black vet oh we won't ever see a horse okay (laughs) (laughs) I could not get everything I wanted in one package (laughs) that's amazing though I love that I love that you're a black veterinarian yeah yeah so what advice would you give? I mean, you've given a lot of good advice, but um, if someone was just like, you know, I want to go to vet school, um, what advice, what advice do you have for them? I guess my advice would be, you can't educate yourself enough. And to go to vet school, particularly, it's, it's mentally hard, it's financially hard. And the more you can educate yourself on that, you know, look up the school requirements, look up the undergrad requirements, 
there were requirements that if I wasn't aware of them as a freshman in undergrad, it would have offset my whole plan by like years. So you cannot be educated enough and, and no one is going to do that for you. You really, really have to be your own advocate and, and to keep going. I had, you know, many people, I remember once I, I failed a test and I went to my advisor, this person that's supposed to be my guidance to vet school when I was an undergrad and I said, I don't, I don't know that I'm cut out to be a veterinarian. I can't pass this class. And his response was, you're probably right. And so if you listen to the people around you, it can be very easy to just give up and say, hmm, maybe I'll just do small animal or maybe I won't be a vet at all. Um, mm -hmm. You cannot be educated enough and, and do not get discouraged by any setback. There are so many setbacks. You just have to keep going. It's hard. Keep going. When people um, make those comments, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall and then just, I don't know, karate chop or bite them. <laughs> like, I wish I could be there for y'all in those moments because that really sucks, especially. And I ran you know, into at a conference later and I was very cordial, but I wanted to be like, obviously. In your face. Yeah, like I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I completely I completely understand that because I mean I've been in many situations um, where it's just like oh oh you're the or or like like you know things yeah like, yeah I have been around the block I get out of the truck and you know my assistant oh hi nice to meet you. I'm like no no it's over here it's right. Um, so <laughs> yeah nice. yeah yeah and in in the year of the lord savior 2021 we still <laughs> still dealing with this so um, Crazy. <laughs> yeah yeah so uh one question we always ask is what does the word equestrian mean to you um I know that you, you know, aren't riding a lot, but you can take this one of two ways, either equestrian or like being a veterinarian. What is, I feel like there's a, like an identity that kind of goes with that. So what does that like mean for you? I think for me, in terms of what is being a veterinarian, and you could probably stretch it to equestrian. I just think caregiver, guardian, for sure, you know, these animals don't have a voice. You have to listen very closely to what they're telling you and, and speak their language, um, both as a horse owner and a veterinarian. You really have to be in tune. So just the ultimate caregivers and guardians, for sure. I agree with that. I agree with that. Do you guys do inpatient? Oh, yeah. yeah. We, do. We, we are a essentially a referral hospital, so we hospitalized. We do a lot of surgeries. We'll take referrals from all of Northern Nevada. We're pretty much the only hospital fully staffed and functional in Northern Nevada. So we do inpatients, we do field calls. We will drive, you know, up to an hour, hour and a half away to see horses and goats and things like that. So it makes for long days and long nights, but yeah, we for sure hospitalize things for sure. <laughs> I was just curious because some um, a couple of my mentors, like they weren't, they were private practice. They were not um, in a hospital. So I just wonder. Yeah, it adds a layer of difficulty to your day for sure. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why we depend so heavily on our interns and externs and volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin, do you have any other questions for her? How do you wear your hair when you're at work? So normally when I'm at work, this is just because my hairdresser went down to three days a week. It's been very stressful for me. Normally my hair is in braids. Um, mm-hmm. So I wear my hair in individual braids. I'll wear crochet braids. And I think I've gotten, I don't want to say braver because it shouldn't, your, your hair should not be that big of a statement. But as the years have gone by and I've gotten probably bolder, so I'll wear pretty much whatever I want to be mm-hmm. braids or crochet, you know, sometimes, usually my braids are a color. So they're usually like purple or blue or pink or whatever. And it's just kind of like, you, you know, if, if my hair is your problem, you probably have a bigger problem with me outside of my hair, but mm-hmm. braids are my go-to. I love crochet braids and, and weaves, but gosh, I just get so dirty during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I included a picture of my daughter and she has colorful braids um, in my coloring book. Yeah. Oh my God. I love, I love colorful hair and truly, you know, clients, I've never had a client say any, they usually say, Oh my God, I love your hair. How do, you do, do, you, do you dye it? Do you braid it every morning? I say, Oh no. In the morning. Oh my goodness. In between calls, you know, right. It's magic. Yeah. I'm that fast and I'm that good. Yeah. yeah. But usually people are pretty receptive, but I usually have a, a, a type of colored braid in. This is, my stylist is booked three months out and I'm stressed out. <laughs> I understand that completely. Yeah. Problems that other people don't have. <laughs> only one. It's not like, I can't get mad and be like, well, I'm gonna go somewhere else. There is nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, and your location. <laughs> it's it. She's Here, in this together. <laughs> I guess I'll just do my own hair for a couple months, which I hate to do in the mornings, but yeah. yeah. That's funny to me. Well, we have the Derby round. <laughs> and it is just a series of questions. You just answer with your first okay. answer that comes to your mind. <laughs> and um yeah it's fun (laughs) all right so (laughs) can you hear the phone ringing no okay all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna edit this part out (laughs) okay keep it in (laughs) (laughs) all right um english or western western Solids or spots? Spots. Bays or grays? Oh, bays. <laughs> that was conviction. No hesitation. <laughs> the Jorino grays around her. <laughs> Brown tack or black tack? Brown tack. A sponge or a curry brush? Curry brush. Shod or barefoot? Barefoot. A bumper pull or a gooseneck? Gooseneck. Rope halter or nylon halter? I cannot stress this enough. Nylon halter. <laughs> if you okay, last to one, we'll come back to that. Wood, wood fence or electric fence? Electric fence. Now, why, why, why are we stressing this nylon halter? 
I think rope halters are a great training tool in the day to day, but when you're seeing your vet, it is so hard to like get a neat, like if you have a horse that's needle shy or just is the type to get away from you, it is so hard to control them in a rope halter and they always end up with too much slack or too, too little slack. It's like nylons give us such better control. And then I've got the side clamps that I can work with. Mm-hmm. I can put a chain really easy on a nylon. I could write a novel and <laughs> love letter <laughs> nylon halter. Okay, that makes sense. Place. It's just yeah. not in veterinary appointments. Right, right, right. Makes perfect sense. And then like the purpose of a rope halter is to stimulate here, like to to get them to back off pressure. So if they got pressure here and you're trying to, it's just too much. Yeah, nothing is more unsatisfying when you go to correct a horse and like give them a good yank on that chain and they're wearing a rope halter. Yeah, and it's like, nope. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. What is your favorite piece of veterinary equipment? My favorite piece of veterinary equipment, drugs, sedation. Ooh. <laughs> that I agree. <laughs> Drug them animals up. <laughs> Get him a little sleepy. Oh, he doesn't like to pick up his back feet. Oh, it's fine. Safety oh. first. Yeah. Safety, <laughs> safety, safety. Yeah. You're yeah. So lucky to have sedation people laugh at me because they're like so my animal does this I'm like have you tried drugs <laughs> drugs yeah. like, I'm sorry that's what they're made for that's what they're made for like <laughs> you're like oh right. you want to sedate him to do his teeth I'm like yeah do you want to be awake when your teeth are done no no put your finger in there <laughs> <laughs> okay what is your favorite piece of barn equipment favorite piece of barn equipment just a plain old pick I love a good stall pick mm-hmm. yeah yeah where I sneak away I'm like I'm just gonna pick this stall and think about you know what's what? going on what's going wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I um I left my fork outside and so it broke because the wood got soft and so I had to like whittle it down and stick it back in there because I'm like it's not really broken <laughs> right but I mean I'm like five four so now the pole is like I'm like this is the perfect size for me <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it was just funny like I picked it up and I was like wow this is me size now <laughs> I'm hilarious a modified pick for sure yeah I mean you know, Kayla would be like, what is this little ship? Yes, I would. <laughs> what in the world? A short complications <laughs> in our lives. Yes, yes. Um, have you ever fallen off of a horse? I've never fallen off of a horse. I've fallen while working on horses, like under feet. Mm-hmm. I've definitely lost my balance and kind of had to gator crawl away, but I've never mm-hmm. fallen off. And that's probably, I'm partial to, you know, like, 15 hands, 14 hands, like, mm-hmm. like to reduce that yeah. fall for me. Yeah, shorter to the ground. It's a, a lower or a shorter drop for sure. Yeah. Falling don't prove nothing. So it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> if money was no object, what is one horse related purchase you would make? Money was no object. Probably the horse itself. Little, little quarter horse. 
No. It's a good, an old one though. I don't need any three, four year olds in my life. I want a like 15, 20 year old little quarter horse. Mm-hmm. No. Well, that is the last question in the Derby. <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. That was fun. Well, um, let us know um, where our listeners can um, catch up with you and kind of where your practice is, all that, if they wanted to, um, you know, get in, get involved with the internships or externships. Yeah. So I'm at Comstock Equine Hospital in Reno, Nevada. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can email me personally. I think my email is probably going to be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal Instagram is not well maintained, so I won't even bother giving you that unless you want to look at pictures of my cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's comstockequine.com. Uh, if you wanted to do an internship or an externship, you can email at office at comstockequine.com. Shout out to the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the opportunity. Reach out. Even if you know you don't want to volunteer, I am so open to just having conversations. Yeah. You know, call me, text me. Hey, does this seem like a good vet school? Does this seem like a good program? Yeah. Uh, the world, the equine world is so small that it just takes a couple people to put your name in somebody else's ear. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always, always happy to help. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. And we appreciate your time on today's episode. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much for Thank having you. me. It's a huge honor. I'm very excited. Of course, of course. And all you have to do is exist for us to talk to you. <laughs> there are no qualifications. You just got to right. be <laughs> the easiest one. And you got to like horses. <laughs> I love them. Oh, that's too funny. Well, all right. Well, this episode will go live on Friday. So we'll, um, I'll shoot you an email so that um, we can get a picture of you that we can use for the for the um, post. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and it'll go live on Friday. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me and keep doing what you're doing. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram pages and let us know what you thought about that episode. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and have the opportunity to be featured in our next episode. See you next week.